0: Fueled by Temperance Spirits, Edmonton's leading non-alcoholic beverage provider. Order online for doorstep delivery.
1: What is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome back to Game Over Edmonton. We are on the air. It's your boy Avery here. The Rollers win 2-1. But before we get things going here on SDPN, gotta get a word from our sponsors at Temperance Spirits. Oilers fans, are you good up for a dry January Want to enjoy great taste without without the buzz? Temperance Spirits has you covered. Welcome back to Game Over Edmonton, where we're thrilled to continue our partnership with Temperance Spirits as your alcohol-free adventure. Temperance Spirits takes pride in providing and curating a selection of non-alcoholic beers, mocktails, and wines, all available on the website. Start your year with clarity and focus as you keep your New Year's resolutions while exploring great new tastes. Temperance Spirits ensures fast local delivery straight to your doorstep. Wondering what else might tickle your taste buds? Explore a world of no and low alcohol choices at www.temperance-spirits.com. Ring in the new year with an explosion of flavor and enjoy 15% off with the code SDPN. Together with Temperance Spirits, let's turn dry January into a month of delicious discoveries. Follow for more inspiration and community connection at Temperance Spirits on Instagram and Facebook. Alright, so like I mentioned off the top, Edmonton knocks off Chicago 2-1. They've won 8 in a row. And we got a special guest on the podcast today. Our first hockey player joins us. Our first former hockey GM. It is Kristen Haig, an alumni of the Alberta Pandas. And the former Calgary Inferno GM and... Currently, online Orlers fan and welcome to the show Kristen how you doing?
0: I'm great thanks thanks for having me it's fun to be here.
1: No of course wanted to have you on get your thoughts on the game tonight and I mentioned that it's funny because whenever I see Oilers games you are always in the mentions commenting on everything from the lines like you're like everybody else that lives with the highs and lows of this team so I want to get you on get your thoughts on the game tonight. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I, I I'm usually watching, and uh, I always have a lot of thoughts tonight—more uh, bad thoughts than good ones—but uh, <laughs> plenty of thoughts uh, about about Oilers games that I like to share. So,
1: <laughs> fair, fair. Sorry I ask you guys your first thoughts. Oilers team has now won eight games in a row. Just what have been your impressions of this team so far this year that, of course, we know this team. They had a 2-9-1 start. They've gone through changes. And now, under Chris Knobloch, this team is on their way once again and still in a playoff spot in Western Conference.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think I probably feel the way a lot of Oilers fans feel. It's been very up and down, and there's been a start with a lot of disappointment, and now we're starting to see the team that we're you know, familiar with and that we remember but unfortunately part of what we remember is some of these little hiccups and uh, slip-ups uh, that are just part of the Oilers history that we'd like to see not happening anymore but I guess at the end of the day they did find a way to hold on and win this one so uh happy about that at least.
1: Mm-hmm. No that's very true it's a game in which I know I joke to you off off air, Chris, uh, they are playing Chicago, a team that has about 9,000 injuries, there's no Connor Bedard, this team is banged up for many reasons, and yet, it was still a game in which the Oilers struggled to get off on the right foot, we saw Jason Dickinson score that first goal for Chicago, but it's like, this is a team in which, Edmonton at times, they don't take advantage of team situations like this a bit too much see they play down to a team like Chicago which is supposed to be bad it's like this is a game in which this game should not have been a 2-1 game this should have been a 4 or 5 what Edmonton went really
0: right and leaving aside the the called back goals I mean I pointed out on Twitter in the third period we had 15 shots on net you know three quarters of the way through the game and uh that, they, that should not be happening against this competition. It's a fear that you have against a team like this. And what I noticed is that um, they're doing things that they wouldn't normally do against other teams. They're trying to make the nicest play possible. And I'm all for seeing them being creative and trying things out. But uh, if, if that's not working, you've kind of got to get back to basics and keep things simple. And it seems like they... I. You know, as I think Jack uh, said it on the broadcast, it was like they were trying to squeeze a pack of cookie dough through a plastic straw. Um, it was just kind of painful. Um, I always think of from Seinfeld, they said it's like a full-body dry heave. It was just awkward. They needed to just keep things simple, and they weren't doing it.
1: No, they were not doing it, and it's a good point, how this team, and you know, I mean, I've mean, i heard Jack mention before, I've heard Jack talk about they try to hard low-trotter goals in way too often especially when this team gets a power play, you see them too many times where they go, it's a bunch of pass in front of the net, high danger areas, or they go to try to go to dry sidle on that one-timer, and when it doesn't work, they go back to it far too often. I, I, I said they were watching, it's like, okay, boys, the the pass on dry sidle doesn't work, why are you still repeating it three or four more times?
0: <laughs> right, it, it's so cliche, but it's just like, get the puck to the net. Uh, I mean, uh... I mean, Razzik's a good goalie. They were going to need to get traffic in front of him or whatever. But yeah, they were just making things far too complicated. And uh, Chicago really couldn't do anything with the lineup they had other than work really hard. And they just weren't going to be able to make plays, fancy plays, and pass the puck into the net the way they wanted to. They just had to, you know, like I said, get back to basics and keep it simple.
1: No, exactly. And, you know, Edmonton did, did get a goal back. They had... Leon Dreisaitl getting his goal and it's it's funny because we see how of course we know how dangerous Dreisaitl and McDavid are but the bulk of this year they've in a way taken a back seat to the production of Zach Hyman it was almost like I don't want to say it was a a surprise but you're like oh there you go there's Dreisaitl when much of this season has been about Zach Hyman and his tear where he's on pace to have a 50 goal campaign so it was a bit funny to see you know Dreisaitl like like, yes, we we started to, ourselves to score, but in a way, it was a little bit surprising because the story had been dominated by what Hyman's done all year long, Kristen. Yeah,
0: I mean, uh, Hyman, well, he had two more goals tonight that didn't count. Yeah, so, he did. Um, <laughs> 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 yeah, no, I, it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, well, yeah, Dreisaitl. I, I actually thought from the beginning of the game, you could tell that Dreisaitl was ready to go and he. He was playing really well, I thought. Um he was feeling it and he wanted to make some plays, but things just weren't weren't connecting for him. And but uh, I actually thought overall he had a, a, a good game as well. It's just um yeah, sometimes just try to force too much.
1: No, exactly. And you know, defensively this is a team in which this team is you're seeing this team improve defensively as the season goes on, but there's still so there's so few laps that you see. Like, great example, we saw the Hawks doing a few late chances in the first period in front of Stuart Skinner, and you're seeing the Oilers' D-man exit the zone into the turnover, or there's no one back-supporting Stuart. I'm thinking to myself, like, geez, These mistakes shouldn't be happening against the Blackhawks where you're leaving Skinner all by himself in a in a 2-on-1 or a 2-on-0. Like, that can't happen against the Blackhawks because we saw a bit too much in the first period.
0: You know, I almost wondered right from the start, they were making really long stretch passes pretty much from their own half marks to the far blue line which okay fine you're trying to stretch things out but it was leading to some bad turnovers and I was actually noticing partway through the game how pleased I've been with somebody like Dayarnae who mm. has kind of answered, answered the call of making simple plays um, because that's all he's capable of doing A- and I know you know Bouchard's great at hitting great stretch passes from the hash marks to the far blue line but again you know, when you've got a hard forecheck coming at you, maybe it's good to have some low support and make a simple play. It just seemed like we had three players flying the zone and going way out. Um, And it's just kind of hard to come up the ice as a unit that way. So simplify.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. That's a great point you mentioned, uh, Vincent de He's been one of the more uh, stable D-men on this roster this year. He's been – the guys who I've liked so far this year have been – uh, De Arnais, uh Kulak, Ekholm, and I, I remember last year, Kirsten, where Vinny Dayarnae against the Golden Knights, you could tell that, being a rookie, you could tell he was struggling against the Golden Knights, against the forecheck, he made turnovers, you're seeing his game evolve into being a very stable HLD man, and I think, you know, his game, his play has improved quite a bit, and I remember, I remember when this year began, the talk of, you know, uh, send back to Bakersfield, try and deal him, his game has matured quite a bit over the past few months here in the NHL.
0: Yeah, well, and, and I think a lot of it has to do with, I mean, Paul Coffey demanded of them that they start making plays, and that doesn't mean fancy plays. For day or nay it means not continually just throwing the puck away and throwing the puck up the boards and having the other team come back at you when you're you know a slow-footed defenseman that's not going to be able to stop the, the 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 rush coming back at you. I, I, I see him making tape-to-tape passes, again, not from the hash mark to the far blue line, but he's keeping things simple, and uh, he's doing his job if he's not giving up a p- bunch of chances
1: against. Uh, you know, Bouchard,
0: we want him taking some risks because mm. it does pay off. Um, but, you know, De Arnay just has to keep it simple.
1: Yeah, no, he really does. And this is a game in which, of course, first period ends 1-1. And the second period, uh, it's just, that was a frustrating frame in the second. Because how are you, again, playing down to Chicago, only four shots in, in that period. They went through a stretch in which he didn't have a shot for 12 minutes. And it was as if they were there was a great comment in the chat in our in our um game over chat here from MGD how the Oilers they to walk through that period. And against Chicago, you cannot sleepwalk through a period. You have to get more shots on Morazic from to get shots on net from different areas. And and the fact they only got four chance on net was very disappointing. And that's not what a an elite team does. You find a way to get shots on net from Literally everywhere. You're not going to win a game most nights getting only four shots in a period, as you would know quite well.
0: <laughs> well, and I think probably the way we were all thinking is I, I had even written down after, Mc, I was like, yes, McDavid. Okay. Now, you know, they've opened things up and now mm-hmm. the floodgates are going to open and they're, they're kind of going to, you know, put this nonsense and, and yeah. be the team that we, we like to see. Yeah. But I know sometimes, and this happens after wins sometimes with the Oilers is, uh, not so much in, in the last bit where they've been having winning streaks, but they all of a sudden seem to be like, oh, okay, this is going to be easy. And uh, <laughs> they just kind of seem to sit back and aren't doing the things that are making them successful. It, it's it, it's very frustrating to watch um, for fans uh, because we know they're better than this at, uh, when, they, when they're just you know playing good structured hockey, but they were just all over the place that period.
1: No, they... They we really were, and you know, this is another period in which, again, we saw the big boys step up, we saw uh, Hyman, McDavid, drystyle but one of the big things was that the bottom six didn't look that great. I know over the past few games it's looked well, but just what are your thoughts on the bottom six right now? Because with, without without Sam Ghani, without Dylan Holloway, it's looked a bit iffy with those guys' lineup lined up over the past little bit here.
0: Yeah, I'm not gonna, you know, the the fourth line, I don't even they even have a full fourth line today, but the the third line, it's very disappointing because and mm. I don't I don't mean their I mean uh uh Patrick Kane, sorry, Vander Kane <laughs> and uh Connor Brown. I mean, such a good opportunity for them to kind of start feeling it again and, and having a good game against the weaker team. I mean, they'd be playing against Chicago's third line and they they were just throwing pucks away. Um, just, just not getting anything done. It was a really good chance for them to, to show what they can do, get on a roll, and um, yeah, it's just a bit sad down there right now. They're obviously missing fogel and McLeod in the bottom six, and just kind of highlights that the uh, Oilers management are going to need something to, you know, establish a bit more depth. Because I know I've been a bit critical of the way you know the top six were taking chances. So hard, but at least they're was something. Um, yeah. The, yeah, the bottom six was was pretty
1: dead tonight. Yeah. And again, you know, on the McDavid goal. McDavid now at um nine hundred 900, and five points. And I look at I look at what he did. First of all, for McCom, great pass from McCom, great play from Matias McCom mm-hmm. to get McDavid out of puck to spring him on the breakaway. But I look at McDavid again. Sorry, nine oh six in points. And I shake my head because. This man-child is less than 100 points away from a 1,000 in his career. And I know it sounds far-fetched, but for anybody else, it will be far-fetched. But I'm thinking to myself, he might hit 1,000 this season. Knowing how he plays, knowing how he, what he can accomplish, he might hit 1,000. Do you, you, you think I'm out to lunch with that, Chris? I it's possible because like, Carmen David does things other players just cannot do in this game right now. Well,
0: yeah, and I think most people say it. I mean, you just you'd never rule it out because it is McDavid. I mean, obviously it would have helped if he'd had a good stat padding game against uh, Chicago, but <laughs> true. He, he seems to find a way regardless of who the competition is. And so, yeah, I mean, you can't say enough about a player like that. And again, when we are criticizing McDavid, it's like nitpicking obviously, right? Because um, he's the backbone of the team and he does amazing things. And uh, yeah, he seems to be able to do things like that at will.
1: Right, No, it's, it's it's incredible to see what he can do. And, you know, you mentioned Zach Hyman and a game in which the m Rollers Oilers, last year, the challenges, they, it, it, felt like, it felt like they won every challenge they had last year. Jeremy Kupel leaves the team. And the first time in goal, I was called back. I didn't think that was goalie interference. I didn't think that was enough to say it was a PM and I thought it was very strange that Chris Knobloch didn't even give it a challenge. That was early enough when which wasn't, wasn't that bad. The fact that this team didn't challenge, that was very strange. Well, it looked like that was, was a clear goal in my mind.
0: Right. And I, like It's one of those ones where it's like normally that would be a goal, and then they'd be challenging it to try and... Like, I don't know if Luke Richardson would have challenged that if it had been ruled mm-hmm. as well. And yeah, they were saying on the broadcast, like, Oh, you're up to one. Maybe you don't want to chance it. But I'm like, no, you're up to <laughs> take that. That's, you know, you've got a good shot at winning that, I guess. I mean, now in retrospect, seeing how the second challenge went, I guess maybe when you know that Hyman is going to lose every single um, challenge ever, then maybe <laughs> you don't want to chance it. But other than that, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't quite understand not taking the chance on that. Cause it's, you know, it's against Chicago. I mean, hopefully you'd be able to kill off their power play. And, you know, if you did lose it, and if you win it, you're up 3-1. Yeah,
1: no, ex- exactly. And again, we mentioned the other challenge in which the NHL, and I, I tweeted this, I tweeted because I think it's ridiculous how the goal is, should have been up 3-1 late in this game mm-hmm. on, on the off side with dry sidle. And it's like, we are still in this league, Kristen, that has challenges and, and reviews that can last... Five, six, seven. First of all, 45 seconds, that's it, done. We shouldn't have a, we shouldn't have reviews lasting that long. And the fact yeah. that we're looking at a player being offside by maybe a millimeter or two and rolling back a uh, footage frame by frame, like what are we doing here? Like the, the offside challenge was really to look at plays that were egregious. Looking at an offside that was off by a millimeter is I don't get it what we're doing here because it, it's ridiculous.
0: Well, yeah, and unfortunately, that's sort of what it's become. But yeah, I always think <laughs> back to... the. I think it was the season before they brought in the rule, that Duchesne play. I mean, yeah. that's the one. He was offside by, like, several feet at yeah. least. That is what that rule was for. Not this silly nitpicking for stuff that made absolutely no difference um, to the play. Uh, it, it, there There has to be some sort of time limit or how many times they can view uh the play again uh-huh. to, to make a decision because it's it almost felt like if it's taken that long they're looking for a reason to turn it over. Yeah. Um like it, it just uh, there is nothing conclusive about any of those angles um that could have possibly given them a reason to turn that back. So that yeah uh terrible call and yeah just but they should never be put in a position to be able to do that.
1: No, not at all. And I, you know, it's funny. I look at other sports teams that have reviews and do want to look at plays like that. And they're using cameras that are 1080p, HD, or it's, you know, 8K cameras. We're looking at also looking at angles on a small iPad or freezer watching that are just the worst angles to use for the review. Like, how have we not progressed by now it's looking at cameras that are, say, for example, in the boards? or a yeah. camera that can get down to really We'll at VHS footage to see if a player's offside. Like that we lost the plot entirely too in that aspect.
0: Well, yeah, cuz the only <laughs> the only on the blue line view there was was blocked mm-hmm. by Drysdale's foot and yeah, it, it's kind of the same old thing where it was like where the goalie if they were kind of blocking the camera or whatever. But yeah, if they are going to get that finite with the way that they make their calls, then they've got to yeah, they've got to have better camera angles or whatever because they clearly made they appear to have made that decision off of an angle that was not straight on and, and meaning that it wouldn't have been giving them an accurate depiction of where the puck was at in relation to Drysaddle's foot or stick or whatever.
1: No, it, it was it's ridiculous. And then of course Chicago battle back, tried to make, tried to tie this game, and again, there was the funniest sequence that for, I don't know what happened to the Oilers when it comes to empty nets, but they're allergic to scoring out a goaltender (laughs) in a net. I don't know what it is. The team can't score on an empty net. There was about three different times shots went wide. There was a shot that was saved. I I, I don't know what it is, Chris. Why can this team not score on an empty net no matter what year it is?
0: Well, I'm sure they have, but yeah, no, I think... (laughs) I think it was just the theme of the game. It was going to be as painful as possible for all the fans, and that was just going to have to happen. Hyman was not meant to score tonight. Two goals called back, missed an empty net. It just, yeah, it was just one of those games. But, yeah, I think somebody said online that the Oilers are going to have to spend next practice just
1: shooting pucks at empty nets or something like that. So, uh,
0: yeah, it's it's mind-boggling, but that's just kind of the way it goes in games like that.
1: Yeah, no, it is ridiculous. And, of course, those of you guys in the chat here at STPN, if you have any comments or questions, please fire them uh, my way in the STPN chat. So now Edmonton holds on. They've won eight in a row, and now they got games against Detroit and Montreal again. These are games that should be winnable. Just what are your impressions, though, will they will continue the road trip on the East Coast here now?
0: Well, I would hope that now having had that game against Chicago, that will have been a bit of a wake-up call for them. I think about, I mean... It, I mean the Oilers probably aren't considered one of the I mean I think they are considered one of the best teams in the league right now given their record of late I mean they might just be in a wild card spot but they've got to expect the best out of every team every single game that they're going up teams are going to be fired up to play against them and they've just they've got to be ready and I'm a little bit worried like I just feel like we always have bad games against Montreal it's just I don't know if that's just in my head or if it's true in history, but uh, they seem to lay eggs against Montreal all the time and, and Detroit, they've had some pretty wild games as well. I'm just hoping to see the Oilers kind of take a step back and be like, okay, we're in a playoff spot and we don't want to be on the outside looking in again. Let's, you know, let's get our crap together here and, and, and start playing like a a, a true contender and a playoff team and, if we don't see that next game, I'm going to be very disappointed.
1: No, exactly. And seeing how the Western Conference is, how competitive it is right now, you you still have Arizona behind you. You have got Seattle behind you, Calgary. Like there are a lot of teams that can pick up ground. And in a league in which has the 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 quote unquote loser point three point games, if you're not taking points off of get, teams like Montreal and Detroit, you're going to be in some trouble.
0: Well, and particularly with the schedule that the Oilers have coming up, they're going to be playing so many back-to-backs. They still don't have a backup goalie, no offense to to Pickard, but um, they've got a really tough schedule after this kind of softer stretch here. And, yeah, they've got to make the most of it, and they've got to show up ready to play.
1: No, exactly. I know we talked about players who stepped up like um, Hyman dry side McDavid. Is there a player that, Kristen, that you feel you want to see a little bit more from, be it a forward defender or even um, goaltending to an extent? Um,
0: oh, Not, I mean, not any single player. I think when you highlighted wanting to see a bit more out of the bottom six. Mm. um, I, I I'd like to see Kane and Brown. I mean, maybe, I, I don't want to give up on Brown. Maybe I'm just <laughs> uh, a softie for that, but I... <laughs> I'd like to see uh, him and Kane be bigger con- contributors. Uh-huh. Um, and I just, maybe it's the positions that CeCe's getting put into, but um, on the first bowl tonight, he made a horrible play at the offensive blue line. Like just, um, I'd like to see him making fewer mistakes. And and again, that might just be a result of him playing uh, top four minutes, which maybe is above his abilities, but I'd like to see him be a little bit more steady.
1: No, that's, that's fair enough. I think, I think a little, I think a lot of people want to see, yeah, exactly more from Brown and more from Kane and for, for Connor Brown, people want to see him just get a goal. It could be anywhere <laughs> yeah. just somehow just any goal. Cause we're now, we're now approaching with Connor Brown, what almost 30 games played. And he still has just two points in the year. Hasn't had a goal. I mean, I'll give him credit. He's trying, He's trying to get shots on. He's trying to create chances, but after a while, it it turns into a game of okay, you're getting chances, but we need you to put something in the back of the net. It can't just be all okay. Well, close, close enough. We got somehow to start going in eventually.
0: Right, and I I do actually think. I mean, I don't know what his advanced stats are saying. I'm not looking at that, but I I see him at least from time to time. You know, doing the right things, being in the right places, but. I mean, I guess in fairness to him, he is on like I really think the third line is kind of like a misfit line. Like that, oh. there is absolutely no chemistry there whatsoever. <laughs> um, you know, maybe they'll bang in a few goals here and there, but uh, I think the the lineup is is clearly missing something. And certainly, they're going to get an injection when you know Holloway or Gagne come comes back. If they have Holloway on the third line, you know, Gagne in the fourth line, I think that's going to make a big difference.
1: Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree, definitely agree with that. You know, as we're wrapping things up here on game over Edmonton, I got to ask you, Chris, I know you're someone who your hockey career has led you from Edmonton to Calgary. So what has it been like over the years? I mean, of course, you talk about your time with the Inferno, but being a diehard Oilers person who's lived so much in Calgary, what has it been like being the Edmonton person who's worked so much in the Calgary hockey circles?
0: <laughs> you know what? It, it has its bad moments, but I'm actually really fortunate. The The law office that I work at, um, out, out of the 18 lawyers we have, half are Oilers fans, and so I'm kind of in friendly territory most of the time. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, going to games at the Saddle Dome. Not only does the Saddle Dome suck, it's just, <laughs> you know, that when they score, the flames go off. Um, but But really, that series two years ago, I felt very good since then. I've been a much happier Oilers fan in Calgary since, uh, since defeating them in the playoffs. And um, yeah, but I, I try not to, you know, kick them when they're down or anything like that. Cause we had to deal with Flames fans giving us a hard time about the
1: Oilers being crappy and not good enough and all that. It's, it's feeling a lot better these days. No, that's good. You know, you know, that, that playoff series in twenty twenty two, like either way, it was gonna send Edmontonians into a state of chaos because it was either gonna be Edmonton or Dallas, we or a rival either way it was gonna be a playoff series. So yeah, but yeah, uh, that was that was probably the most fun I've watched a playoff series in a long time. I I I just remember so many predictions had it being oh Calgary and six, Calgary and four, Calgary and seven. No one had Edmonton five. No one had Edmonton five in that series.
0: I know, that that was just <laughs> the nicest surprise, especially after the
1: way that first game went. It,
0: and and the first, whatever, five minutes of the second game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that it really, I mean, granted, Oilers fans have not had a lot of great playoff moments over the last, you know, 15 to 20 years. But, <laughs> but since the 2006 run, that was one of the most fun uh, playoff runs I've had,
1: so. <laughs> exactly, and you know, I, I do have to ask you, of course, as someone who I mentioned has played for the U of Alberta under Howie Draper, who's now the head coach of the P Dubs New York team, and someone who's worked with the Calgary Infernos as, as a player, as a GM. Just what have been your what's been your thoughts on the P dub and what's happened now in terms of the fact that you're getting games in that league selling out nhl buildings you're getting huge crowds of madamee in toronto and seeing the infrastructure with pro hockey growing more and more because the fact that you're getting games again on cbc tsn and bigger networks and more exposure i love the fact of what is done i mean of course there's gonna be growing pains for the league right now but seeing what they've done in just what a week or two of launching is, i think it's great Kristen.
0: Yeah. And I I kind of feel for it from a couple of perspectives. I mean, as a hockey fan, I've loved that. And as a fan of women's hockey as well, um, I've loved that I can just turn on the TV and watch the games um, and and the production of the games and the commentary and uh, the analysis and everything has been really excellent. We've never had that in the past. Um, And then just as somebody who was involved in, um, you know, playing Uh, you know, former professional women's hockey. Um, And I only use air quotes because, you know, it was obviously elite hockey, but nobody was getting paid. Um, To see it come to where it's come today. I mean, this is what we've all been waiting for and all worked for. And it's just really, really satisfying to see that it's finally starting to kind of um, gain some traction and take off.
1: No, I, I agree. And it's really cool to see you're getting so many, players from around the world like you're getting uh like so the, the sierra nurses natalie spooners you're getting the mm-hmm. elite players from team usa canada the european players all in one league i mean and, and ottawa's probably one of the more diverse teams in the league you got players you got one more, more diverse lineups in the league you Got michela grahamentes doing her thing in ottawa like the right. fact that this has been a league that's been so well received by everybody i think is amazing and the fact that the twitter trolls are losing every argument like i see i saw so much oh people are gonna watch in a week oh they gotta give a bunch of free tickets in fact, The fact <laughs> like the fact that this troll the whole the trolls are holding l after l after l i think it's so funny to see how the detractors are just losing their arguments as to why this leak shouldn't work i think it's amazing
0: <laughs> I, yeah i don't understand the dedication of some people to wanting to drag uh, women's hockey or women's sports. Um, I mean, it's clearly people are watching it and they're enjoying yeah. it. And the hockey's been great. Um, it's been really fun to watch. And yeah, we say Ottawa, like um, th- there's nothing to dislike about the Ottawa team. There, there's a lot of fun things about that team. And yeah, like the the New York team, I'm obviously, you know, watching them closely because of how we mm-hmm. coach and everything. But yeah, I've found myself cheering for the american players on that team so it's it's just it's it's different and it's nice to have this different mix of players and yeah hopefully just put a lot of people in their place when it comes to um saying that there isn't a place for professional women's hockey
1: no, it is it is amazing. See, you mentioned how, you know, that's someone who, I know we both know, I used to do commentary for the Pandas back in 2018. And I think it's really cool to see that, you know, he's getting a chance to coach pro women's hockey. And he's such a respected voice, as you would know. He's, somebody, he's someone who built that Pandas program into being a juggernaut. there for 26 years, gets a pro coaching gig. I want to see what he can do in New York. He's got a, a lot of great players like Alex Carpenter. And this is a team mm. which, like, you know, they won their first game. They've been they've been a, bit, a bit more of a sleeper team compared to say for example teams like Boston and Toronto. I think New mm-hmm. York. I think New York might make, might make some noise going forward in the season here.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, I've always had a huge amount of respect for Howie. I mean, I obviously love playing for him. I think he's a, an amazing person. Um, and yeah, he's just a really smart coach. Um, he he knows how to get the most out of players, and he's also really smart at you know, um, teaching a team proper tactics and all these things. So I think, yeah, I think he's got a good mix of players there. And I really do think that they're going to surprise some people. I mean, all the teams are good and Uh they all have, they all have a shot, but I, yeah, they might not have been the obvious pick, but I I think uh, people are going to see that they, you know, they're, they're a very structured uh, hockey team. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, I could not agree more with that. I was going to say, oh, my last point here is going to make. Oh, and one more comment i see here, Lindsay Post, former Calgary Inferno goalie and, and also in also New York as well. So how he found a way to bring back some yeah. Alberta connections as well too, to to the PWHL. Yeah, I, I, you know, in all you know I look at this league now, I think to myself, it would be fun. I know the league is talking, you know, they're going to be starting off slow when it comes to expansion. You know, they're probably mm. not going to expand next year. But how cool would it be to see in maybe two or three years a plan to get expansion west? Because I would love to see again a revival of the Inferno in there and hopefully maybe a PWHL Edmonton team. Because it's funny because we hear about expansion and I love the fact that we always hear about Calgary. But I don't hear yeah. much, as much about Edmonton and expansion team because I, I think you definitely make a PWHL Battle of Alberta work um, down the line here. Well,
0: and yeah, I might be biased um, towards Edmonton being an Edmontonian and an Edmonton (laughs) fan, but I think Calgary has always sort of been considered the the locale for a women's team because of the history here with the national team being Mm. based here, and this was just kind of where um, the top players naturally came to live and train and play because um, the the, the national team ties. But uh, I had always said. you know, we did have talks about this back when I was working at the CWHL. I always thought that Edmonton would be an excellent place for a women's hockey team because it is a little bit, you know, smaller city. And I, I can just see the community really rallying around a women's hockey team and and getting on board and supporting it. I'm sure the same would happen in Calgary, but I just um, you know, you see the flames start to to struggle and the the press level seats are empty. Edmonton Oilers. Fans or Edmonton hockey fans are extremely dedicated. and They just yes. love hockey, and um, I, yeah, I think Edmonton's a natural fit.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely. It would be really fun to see because I think there's so many markets across the continent that could make it work. Be it Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, Pitt- Pittsburgh has a long history in women's hockey. Chicago, I think these are the markets that could definitely work for future. Teams mm-hmm. in the P dub. As we wrap up, Kristen, I got thank you for coming on. Game Over Edmonton it was a blast talking to you. Gotta do it again sometime. And so if people want to follow you on the site formerly known as Twitter, well, we're gonna call it Twitter. I'm gonna call it X. Um if people X. want to follow you on Twitter. We're gonna find you on Twitter and social media, Kristen. Well now I
0: didn't even realize you posted it today. My Twitter handle is at S-H-A-G-G-S-I-E. <laughs> Bad old hockey nickname. I was just trying to be as anonymous as possible on social <laughs> media. <laughs> but now it is me, Kristen Hay. So, yeah, that's where you can find me. Yeah, love talking about not just the Oilers, hockey in general. Uh, yeah, love chatting back and forth with other fans.
1: Nice. That was amazing. And yeah, that was a blast tonight, Kristen. Olders win. Two to one. You're you you will place on the show again. We'll bring you back on definitely again. It was a blast talking to you as you are the first former pro hockey player and GM to make your appearance on Game Over Edmonton. So what what's what what's me ultimately like a, a plaque or a trophy to send to you in your office in Calgary to hang up in the Thanks. background somewhere from SDP. Yeah, I'll put
0: it in my office for sure.
1: <laughs> oh, alright, gang. That's all for now. That's all for tonight. We'll be back here again on Thursday to recap Edmonton and Detroit. I'll be back on air again hosting that show. Until Thursday night, have a safe night. We'll see you guys again in a couple of days. Later. Game!